0: Welcome to Men Are Nuts, a podcast about mental health, emotional health, psychological health and physical health awareness in men and society. First, it started with MAN, M-A-N, the acronym for Men Are Nuts. And we have a very special guest on the show for you today. Can you introduce yourself?
1: Hi, Men Are Nuts community. My name is Karen Spence. I'm an early childhood consultant and a teacher. I work in Brisbane, Australia, and I work around Australia and the Asia Pacific region, helping families uh, create positive mental health. Families and educators create positive mental health for children.
0: So you're in Australia. I mean, we spoke. I mean, I spoke to people from Australia, and I just just give me your your take on what's it like to live there, and you know, were you born there, and, and things like that.
1: Uh, I was actually born in America, so I'm currently watching a country implode
0: uh,
1: from a distance. I've I've lived here in Australia most of my life, as you can tell by the accent, but I was born in the States, and I have grown up in Australia, um, and I love Australia, and it's been, I guess, for me, this past, most probably the past 12 months has been a really hard year because our country before COVID-19 happened and the world to a a certain degree came to a standstill because we've all gone inside and isolated to protect our most vulnerable in the communities when we've been doing that. But before that, uh, we've had drought for quite a few years. And we've also had the horrendous bushfires. So our hearts were breaking between, mostly around, they started in September last year, 2019. And they went until mid to late January this year. And it was just horrendous. We've lost millions and millions of animals, millions and millions of acres of farmland, people's homes, people's lives. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been an interesting, uh, basically a horrible start to the year, 2020. If anybody knows Stephen King, the writer, yeah. I think that Stephen King wrote 2020, and that we could all move on rather quickly, hopefully, from 2020.
0: Yeah, 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 and um. Um, I've, like I said, I've spoken to people about this before, but I didn't go in depth about, not so much in depth, but about the, the fires. You know, people are going to be listening to this podcast maybe in 20, 50, 100 years' time. Can you tell them a little uh-huh. bit about what, you know, what, what these fires were? What started were?
1: the fires? Yeah. So I guess, and, and Andy, this is a really pertinent point for you uh, and for your audience because one of the reasons I do the work I do around children's positive mental health is because I've seen the toll that the the drought has taken on our regional, rural and remote communities. So in Australia, and I don't know if people understand the size, Australia, the continent, is the size of the continent united States, the same size as continental united states. Yeah. So we are a big country, but we are also a very dry country. We're one of the, we are the driest continent on the planet. Yeah. And what's been going on is that these areas of drought and then what's happened is uh, we haven't most probably haven't managed the land as well as we could have. Yeah. Um, and we're learning very much from our indigenous the indigenous australians now and there's been a royal commission into the fires because we sh- we should have listened to our at uh, the aboriginal indigenous yep. elders who were saying this is how you tend the land they used to do burn-offs at different times of the year so that it didn't build up this fuel source basically we hadn't done that this year so for quite a few years and what happened was that fuel source and the drought was like a tinderbox and there were fires that were started by lightning fires that were started by cigarettes being thrown out the window unfortunately there were some fires started by arson but a lot of the fires were started in natural causes and they ripped through communities. They devastated towns. There are towns that have just been wiped off the map. We have a beautiful island in South Australia called Kangaroo Island. Kangaroo Island was mostly destroyed. And on Kangaroo Island, there's a sanctuary for koalas. Oh. And the koalas can't be brought onto the mainland because the mainland koalas have a disease that the koalas on the, on Kangaroo Island don't have. And so there's been huge ramifications for all our native wildlife as well.
0: Yeah. And it's... it's, it's... Yeah, they say when you get older, you 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 learn more. And I remember as as a kid, I remember seeing things like fires, you know, taking place in in certain countries, and you know, wildfires wherever maybe I don't know California, America, or wherever in Australia. And I'm thinking, I'm as a child thinking, you know, things like how did it start, and then. Couldn't have just put that out, and couldn't they, you know? You see the, the the airplanes, and you think, can't it stop? And, you, and then, as you get older, you realise. You often no. think
1: that as well. Oh yeah, you th- you see these giant water bombing airplanes that are dropping this pink fire retardant,
0: yeah.
1: and you see them on the news, and you think, can't they stop it? They can't. When yeah, no. when bushfires take hold, it can be a matter of minutes, yeah. and for us watching it and the mental health toll it took on the people involved the mental health toll it took on the nation of watching this and being assaulted our senses and our mental health were assaulted from september the end of september last year until the middle of january this year we were in a significant bushfire season like the worst in our living memory the worst in the past hundred years they've said Um, so it was, and you look at things. You've got, I had family that was there. I have friends that were there. You ring them. You can't get through on the telephone. So you worry, and anxiety goes up. Their anxiety is going up. You can't imagine what it's like. People got stuck in the middle of places because bushfires just cut off roads where they were traveling. Um, if you, I don't know if you, and I think these pictures had been beamed around yeah, the yeah, world, yeah, seen it. but they all, had to go and shelter on a beach because the fires were coming and the only safe place was near water, yeah, water yeah. and it was just um yeah it's just it's taken its toll so that was so we had the drought first with mental causing yeah, mental yeah. health concerns yeah. um then we had the bushfires which ripped through people's communities that caused it and what we were hoping for in australia was um to, so that we could spend money, we'd go out at Easter time. Cause in Australia, everybody travels at Easter. So there's an Easter holiday yeah. and we have some holidays, but we go out and, out and we were being encouraged this year to go out and spend money in the communities, go and buy things, go and stay with people, like stay on farms to get money back into the communities yeah, that yeah. have been devastated. And then guess what happened? In March, the very middle of March, that all got cancelled because of COVID-19. Yeah. So it has been a, it's been a rolling, um, yeah, it's been a rolling just nightmare for the past six to nine months. And it's really taking its toll on
0: people. Yeah. And it's almost like, it's almost like I can kind of feel what you're, I can really feel what you're saying there because I've seen the pictures, I've seen the, the, the and, we're, and I'm just seeing it from afar. And if you imagine people that are there in, you know, around it, in and around it. And so, yeah. You, so, like you say, the mental state, you know, the, the people were probably watching it thinking, what, you know, I'm helpless. I can't even go in there yeah. and, oh, and yes. fix the situation. And
1: that's one of the things we and almost, um, people felt also felt survivor's guilt. Why was my house saved compared to everybody else's? Um, we were feeling helpless, so we, Australians give like we gave a lot and we donated a lot and so did the world That people donated millions and millions of dollars which we're incredibly thankful for but that's how we that's how society we came together as a society because there wasn't anything else we can do there were members of us out our, our nation. are volunteer firefighters and they were out there but can you imagine on the front line fighting fires from september till january they were tired they were seeing things that people should never see these fires that they kept saying they're fire storms they just it's like a tornado takes off and it jumps and it goes in seconds, you can't catch it. Some of them lost their mates because there was accidents where firefighters lost their lives. And it's just been, I really, it really is so very important. And one of the things that's coming up in Australia on june 5th to 21st this and generally it's in june is men's health mental health awareness week and it's really um we have a program in australia called are you okay but it's really about checking in and going you know what just ask ask that question because some of these people have had significant long-term battles and in Australia, and I don't know if it's like that in the rest of the world and people who may be listening might understand this, is that often we don't talk about it. Yep. If we are struggling, we struggle in silence and we think that, oh, we don't want to burden other people with that, oh, we don't want to um, make a nuisance of ourselves or things like that. So what we're doing as a society and Australia's picked it up and I hope it's going internationally as well Is, hey mate are you okay how's it going it's talking about it and it's really starting to be um just more aware of these other signs to look for this is if somebody's not traveling so well don't be embarrassed or afraid to ask them just ask them if they're okay or just and what else can we do to check in
0: just yeah. to keep an eye on people yeah and and like you said you've there's been there's been three things to deal with and it's almost like right okay okay it's almost like even if i even if i've got over that first part now the second wave yeah. comes and then right okay i've got these through these you know i'm laughing I'm, I'm when i'm laughing i'm i'm kind of i'm kind of picturing myself or somebody else um going through those scenarios I'm and i'm laughing I'm, I'm kind of going like that's unbelievable um like mm. you to come through those two and stages. And
1: it is honestly, it's like the wave just keeps hitting
0: you. Yeah.
1: And hitting you, and hit, it, it's like you you get knocked down and then you stand up again and you get knocked down again. And that's that's the hard part because yeah. some of the communities that did were experiencing drought um, were one of the some of the driest and they got ripped through with fires and then they were trying to help rebuild so we had volunteer uh, builders and people like that going out and putting up fences again so livestock could go back and different things Uh, but the problem is with covid that couldn't happen anymore so all of those people that were out there helping had to come had to come back to the city and back to their own houses because they you couldn't do that with the restrictions that were placed on us and so that's been a really it's it's a very isolating and lonely and desperate time for people
0: yeah and how i mean i've spoken to to, to, um, some other people who live in australia and they they spoke about that the australian government is doing the uppermost at the moment to try and yeah try and help people how do you see it
1: and i guess it's been it's interesting because when you asked me to come on the podcast, or um, I was listening to different podcasts, it's really looking and saying, how can we help people promote positive mental health? And that's part of the government's action at the moment. Uh, Most probably about four weeks into the COVID-19, we have a chief health officer, a chief medical officer for Australia. And underneath that, there's now been a deputy um Sort of like a deputy health officer, but that's particularly for mental health. Right. She is a chief psychiatrist from Victoria, and they have put her into that role because they realise that there is going to be significant ramifications for people's mental health out of this disaster. Yeah. So not only the drought, but the bushfires and then COVID, um, we've actually got, at, I don't know, uh, we have something called Lifeline in Australia, which is a phone telephone service that people can ring into if they're having difficulties or want to chat to somebody. Yeah. And Lifeline is predicting possibly between a 25 and 50% increase in significant mental health problems and possible self-harm and suicide out of this COVID nineteen, yeah, the ramifications of the business shutdown and things like that, yeah,
0: because it's almost, you know, and I'm going to go back to what I've just, what we we're just saying there is, the, the three things, you know, that's well, say this, the two things. If you've come through that, or you have come through that, it's almost like at every stage you've, after the, after the first stage, it's almost like right, we can, we've, we can, we've done that now, and maybe my my mental health has been torn to shreds, so maybe I can, maybe. Get some chill time or relax or whatever it may do, then then the second wave hits, and it's like, oh well, what's going to happen here? And if you come through that, you know you've hit this this um, this COVID thing, but then the worst thing about the COVID thing is that for for after the second wave, which was the the fires, if you were if you if you were thinking or planning of doing all these things, you know, relaxing or whatever it may be, or you've come through mental health and you just want to have some chill time. It's almost like somebody's saying, you know, you need to go inside, you need to stop in, everybody needs to be inside and, yeah. and, and indoors. Yeah, but it
1: and, is, and it, it forces you to isolate yourself from others. And yes. that's one of the things that, as a human race, we are desperate to be connected.
0: Yes, definitely.
1: We desperately want to be connected. And so when you are forced to isolate if you are alone, and it broke my heart, I drive to different
0: schools uh,
1: some of the time as a teacher, and I was listening to the ABC, which is our government radio, and um, it's run by, so it's funded by the government, it's not a government propaganda radio, but the ABC was putting out, and they were having people call in, and this person said, you know, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I lost my husband 12 months ago. I can't do this. I can't be isolated for another four weeks. I'm going mad now. Like I'm going crazy, not crazy, crazy, but I feel desperate, I feel alone, I'm anxious. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm I'm listening to you, you are my lifeline. And so it was really, I really appreciated that, and I actually rang the radio station after I'd finished driving and I said, look, thank you so much for following up with that person because they said we are going to check in on you we're going to have another call he asked his producer to make sure that that person was all right after the call because there are vulnerable people who are um having a significantly difficult time at the moment around the world this is affecting everybody and that's why I guess part of the work that I have really been focused on doing and part of my work and the way I work is actually saying how can we create resilience and positive habits of mind so that we because there are intentional activities that now can help us have positive mental health or good mental health and how can we teach that to children because what I'm seeing as a teacher and I work from preschool all the way through to high school and grade 12 and what I've seen is that it's often and I know you and I have discussed this previously but um, uh, before we started the call uh, it's honestly it's looking and saying the things that are instilled in childhood play out in adulthood
0: yeah
1: so the beliefs about themselves their ability to handle anxiety their ability what do they say to themselves are they hard on themselves frequently we are way more hard on ourselves than we would ever be on the closest people we love yeah we would if you think about what you say and if the people listening think about what you say to yourself sometimes we say the nastiest things to ourselves we would never ever ever (laughs) say that to people we love yet we are saying it about ourselves And this is where I say to people, look, we have to teach children to challenge that negative self-talk. We have to allow children to experience um, failure. We have to allow... We have to give them the tools and skills to know that, you know what, when I start to catastrophize or worry about something and I get really anxious, this is me feeling anxious. And how do I deal with my anxiety? Because it's just... You are, you're a PE teacher, aren't you?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, and you would know that to be physically fit, we actually have to do certain things. Yeah. yeah. We have to take care of our bodies, we have to do some form of exercise. Now it's not a um, prescription, like you have to exactly do these things, yeah. but you have to move your body, you've got to do those sorts of things. For mental, I talk about mental fitness with kids, and we've got things like gratitude, um, op, being more optimistic, looking at their strengths. Every little person I meet, whether they, uh, every child I meet, they would have strengths. And I say to families, look at those strengths, yeah. play to those strengths, because that child will shine. Yeah. They may not be the best musician in the world, but by goodness, there's gonna be something else they can do. And it's finding those things and it's looking and going, how can I help my children or how can I help children in my village because we were talking about before, about the need to be connected. Yeah, Children need to be connected as well because in this day and age, parents are really busy and sometimes there are split families and that's okay because that's what happens. But it's then they go, who's there to teach kids to say, you know, when I'm really upset, it's not okay to punch my sister. What should I do instead? Yeah. And how do we manage those emotions? Because as adults, we actually have—it's like if we play a CD over and over and over, that or if we—and um, I'm, and I'm thinking because your audience could be all sorts of different ages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually like getting a groove in a record yeah. or a CD if you. Have a thought in your head or the way what we talk about is with the brain science neurons that wire together fire together so if you get really if you when you get angry if you hit something that's how you're going to then respond as an adult yeah. so if you if it gets to become a habituated behavior yeah. and that's why when they're really little and i say to people you know when we get in so and and i know and i've listened to the podcast at different times and you've talked about different things and i know you've worked with gangs and you would see this working with those teenagers andy that those behaviors that they were exhibiting they most probably learned them in childhood would that be correct
0: yep definitely and and like you said it's um it's about teaching kids to have ownership of an emotion or or of a time or a place so like you just yep. said there is if they learn that anger is this this and this or this situation is has has occurred um how am i feeling now and they can react yep. to that in the in the best in there in the way that um is not detrimental to them or anyone else and that's not to say that you take away the emotion and become and become robots oh no it's
1: a. it's a- Healthy way. Yes. How do I manage my anger yes. in a healthy way, rather than hurting people, yes. rather than going out and taking revenge? Yes. That's not going to make things better. It's actually looking and going and sitting with it. We in society today, people find it really hard for their children to be uncomfortable. Yeah, they don't want their child to be disappointed. They don't, oh, we can do something about. It. No. We actually need to, uh, when, we're, when we've got our children and when we're caring for our children in that secure safety net, whether it be our godchildren, our own children, our nieces, our nephews, our grandchildren, kids we work with, when we've got them in a safety net, we can sit with them and say, yeah, it is uncomfortable to be disappointed. It is uncomfortable if you miss out on becoming school captain or things like that, but you know what? you can get through this I'll be here with you and I'll sit with you while you're feeling that and we can talk about it or we can do those things but you will get through this because it's really interesting Harvard did a study of um, graduate uh, of high school graduates that went to universities in the United States and what they found was two-thirds of those people going into universities two-thirds of those young people said you know We wish our families, our parents and the people around us had taught us how to deal with difficult emotions, how to deal with loneliness, how to deal with disappointment because we feel we're in this environment and we're experiencing this and we don't and and that's when they don't know how to deal with those feelings. That's when they'll spiral downwards Uh, because I'm not sure if you if you're familiar with Barbara Fredrickson's work, she's a positive psychologist, and she talks about the upward spiral of positive emotions. So when there's joy or gratitude, love, curiosity, happiness, um, all awe, wonder, those are positive emotions and they tend, or when you experience them, that takes us in an upward spiral. But loneliness, despair, anger, regret, that's a negative spiral. And what happens is if kids and if young people and adults don't know how to deal with those emotions, what will frequently happen is that will become a negative downward spiral. It almost becomes like a vortex. So if you think about um, water in a bathtub and how the water in a bathtub, when you let the water out and the plug goes, it goes down the plug and there's a vortex, that's often what happens when there's a negative spiral that we get sucked into that and it almost takes over our head and our brain and we can't actually, unless we're taught to put a, like to be able to go snap and I'm not saying snap out of it, like you said before, it's not saying snap out of the emotion it's actually going, you know what? This way of thinking right at the moment is not doing me any good. Yeah. How do I change that? Whether it's through some mindful breathing, whether it's actually just going, you know what? Because it's often then that we berate ourselves. Oh, you're so stupid. Why did you do that? Oh, they're never going to forget that you did that. All of this, and it becomes such a negative spiral that they... And then, and I don't don't know if your listeners will have heard about, but it's called a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if we... If we start believing something or if we say something over and over to ourselves, that almost then becomes what we fulfill. It becomes true because we start acting in that way. And so children, if they say to themselves, oh, I never, I'm never going to be good at this. Um, Oh, I'm dumb. That becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So it's really understanding how can we put, and one of the psychologists, he's a child psychologist in Australia. and He and I have talked about this. We don't want to be the ambulances at the bottom of the cliff picking up pieces anymore. What we want to do is help people put strong, protective fences at the top of the cliff so our kids have the skills and the ability to be resilient and not go down that path so they don't tumble over into despair, into self-harm or things like that. Because in Australia, and I don't know what it's like in Qatar or in overseas countries, but we have a very high rate of skin cancer. Yeah. And so in the 70s and 80s, there was a campaign that slip, slop, slap, slip on a shirt, slop on sunscreen and slap on a hat. Right. And that has taken off. And when that, when that campaign started, we had to consciously do it like we had to think oh yeah quick put on the sunscreen yeah. put on the hat yeah. make sure now it's throughout society and embedded and it's really interesting because we do that to take care of our physical health but we don't know what to do to yeah. take care of our mental health yeah. and positive well-being yeah. positive mental health and it's it's almost i really want it to become knowing that you know doing a gratitude exercise or taking time out from you were describing before about the stressful situation and about how life is so busy in our world these days. It's interesting, I've been talking to families here in Australia about what do you want to keep after COVID-19? Yeah. There are some things that we have slowed down. Families have been playing board games together more. Yep they've been having more traditions or they've been having different things that they've done and i've said to families you know we don't have to go back straight away and and we choose what you want to take out of the COVID 19 isolation time with your family pick what you want because You know, yes, it was difficult. We couldn't see our relatives, we couldn't see the older members of our family, the more vulnerable members, the more the members who were possibly gonna get sick. What we could do though, is Zoom them. We could do other things. People actually even started handwriting letters. Yeah. And things that we hadn't done for a long time. And so what it is, is knowing, and each one is individual. So Andy, you and I, We may have different versions of our own positive mental health there would be things that contribute to good mental health overall so having an optimistic attitude is one of those being grateful using our strengths um understanding emotions and how we experience them and then dealing with them in healthy ways so there's groundwork that lays a a foundation for positive mental health but the activities that you and I do I might find yoga really relaxing whereas you might find running but both of those things are good for your mental health mindfulness so it's those sorts of things and it's knowing and having the self-awareness to go this is what works for me yeah. It doesn't have to be what works for a guru or whoever it is, and if you want to go and find a guru, that's okay too. But whatever works for you, and the thing it's got to be is that it's got to—you've got to be able to do it habitually. So, as I talked about before, neurons that wire together fire together. If we get into the habit of going, you know what, I'm feeling a bit anxious, I might do—and I call it triangle breathing—and yeah. what I, because I say to the kids I work with, you know. We call it triangle breathing. You can put your hands in a triangle almost anywhere. You don't have to, and you can sit with them underneath the desk or under a table and you can breathe in for six, hold for six, and then breathe out for six. And what that, or whatever it is, it could be four, it could be six, it could be eight, whatever works for you. Yeah. Um, what that does is that actually tells our body that type of breathing tells when we breathe deeply in that way it tells our body it signals to the amygdala in our brain i am safe yeah. so it actually switches off the anxiety switch that's possibly been switched on yeah. so it's knowing that hey if i'm starting to feel a bit anxious or if my child so to give uh, if you've got uh, parents listening to the podcast today One of the things you can do for children, now it's not if they're in a full-blown anxiety attack, if they've really gone up into that and they're at the peak of it, this won't work. But if you can see them starting to get anxious, one of the tips I'd like to leave people with is if you can see, and it works with adults as well, um, so if you can see them getting anxious, one of the things you can do is to ground them and ask them, not ground them as in you're in your room, (laughs) but ground them as in, could you please so you can say to them can you find five red things or see five red things that you can see two three or four things you can hear two things that you can smell and three things that you can touch or you can have five of all of them or you can do however many but what you're doing You are bringing them back with their senses so five things they can see it could be five find five yellow things or five green things and that takes their mind off because what's happening in an anxiety attack and a panic attack the mind has gotten away it's in that negative spiral all of these thoughts are coming and what we're doing and that's why i'm saying it's not going to work if they've peaked or they're right at the top of that spot like that anxiety attack but if you can see them starting to get a bit anxious that's one of the things you can do really well, and, and I guess those are the sorts of things that I really want. I, I, the way I work with families, I give them practical tools and strategies to take away. And it, it, it's not just families and children I work with. I also work with staff well-being and different things, but mainly with children and families because the earlier we can teach these things to our kids, the more habituated it yeah, can become. Definitely. So just like we keep ourselves physically fit, they can keep themselves mentally fit.
0: Yeah, definitely. And um, like you said there, there's you know there's a lot of lot of things to take away from that. Is 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 really the crux of it is is um is having given the child the skills to be able to deal with all different types of emotions whether it be you know anger because we do yeah. with, we we deal with happiness in a you know in a in a brilliant way so why don't we deal with sadness in a you know and why ah. don't we deal with anger or you know it, it, like you said we, you know it's funny how we we um we can beat ourselves up about things um and and really that should be something where we should be able to from a young age be taught to control how to you know how to deal with disappointments how to deal with um you know so many other things because what happens is when you take that as you go into adulthood the disappointments are going to be magnified and i mean magnified as you know really magnified yeah almost like hundredfold
1: absolutely if you miss oh if you miss out on it so and to give you an example, I've worked with adults who have worked at one organization, sort of a corporation, for 10, 15 years. And they've been passed over by a promo- for a promotion, which they felt they were going to get, um, by somebody who'd been there for two years. And that disappointment and anger and resentment and all of those sorts of feelings were just... And it was bubbling and boiling underneath, and unless and people are taught how to manage that, how to deal with it, how to sit with it, and then go, how can I get rid of it? What's a healthy way that I can work through this? Because if we bottle things up, they're not going to go away. It will still rebubble up to the surface. So if you push it down, and that's what I say to families, often and. and Thank goodness it's not happening now, but in generations gone past, it was, oh, you know what, big boys don't cry. Come on, hurry up. No, you, big boys don't. And that's the thing. Actually, it's okay for boys to cry. Yeah. It may be that the, the adult that was saying that was uncomfortable seeing somebody crying, yeah. but just because people are un- uncomfortable seeing people crying doesn't mean they shouldn't cry crying is actually a really cathartic way people can cry when they're happy they can cry when they're angry they can cry when they're sad whatever it is however they deal with it as long as it's healthy for them and the people around them so often and what one of the things that we've been really concerned about in australia while the covid lockdown has been happening is domestic violence yeah and how the anger and the... Because people have lost their jobs here. Yeah. We've had people lose their jobs, so my financial stress is tight and the anxiety and the level of angst in the house around that could escalate and being stuck at home with everybody could escalate the chances of domestic violence yeah. and what does that mean for children who see that because they witness this is how oh if you get angry this is what you do to people you love
0: Yeah,
1: and that's why we actually have to say what are the models we give our children so those kids you worked with in the gangs what models would they have had to have the behaviours they did, and to en- land they ended up in those positions because that didn't work for them. It actually got them a result they didn't want. Yeah,
0: yeah. And and you know you you mentioned there about domestic violence and and if you gave the if you gave the child a tool or the tools to help to to be able to deal with some of the things that's happening so the despair or the anger that might be venting to the person committing the um, the violent act you it could actually help the child in in that situation so these are um, very important tools to be given children because not just even at their age but as even as they get older so they then if they've got the tools they do actually then go on to do may, may not they may not go on to do um, Perpetrators of domestic violence, if they can deal with the anger at a, tra- Absolutely. At a young age. Um,
1: and that's, that is so correct, Andy, and that's why I really and I firmly believe we've got to start in childhood because, hopefully, and I know this is, but hopefully, because around the world, not just in Australia, but around the world, the suicide and self-harm rate has tripled. They've skyrocketed in the past 10 to 15 years for children from 5 to 17. That's an absolute tragedy. And we have to give them skills to actually go, you know what, I am worth it. I am not, this is not the only way out. I can see light at the end of the tunnel or I can can see that optimism or have that hope. And it's those skills that are going to make the difference in their life. But not only exactly as you said, Andy, not only are they then going to be able to do it for themselves, but they will then model those healthy skills for the next generation. So this can actually be passed on to their kids and their grandkids, it's a ripple effect Yeah, and just like the great work that you did with those gangs, that was a ripple effect because you've touched their lives, they will then go and touch other people's lives and they will change lives with the positivity that you gave them.
0: Yeah, I mean, when, the things I've, the, the things, you know, when I've worked with children and young people and, and you know what some of the things that you're saying there is um giving them positive affirmations um talking to them about how to deal with deal with certain situations and certain give them certain examples and and things like that and and i've been a mentor i I mean i'm a mentor i'm a trained mentor you know i've been a class teacher you know i've been a sport i'm a sport i'm a sports i've got so many different roles i've i've done over the years and Some of the things when you hear children, you, when you hear children th- say something, and then you think, why did they say that? Because it could lead to them saying those things when they get older about themselves. So, like what you're saying. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll give an example. I was, you know, I was working, you know, I was, I was teaching in school, and um, a child, what this 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 girl comes up and. She said oh do you want do you want to hear me? yeah it's the first time she'd met me she goes oh do you do you want to hear me play the clarinet or whatever it was and she started she goes oh um and she started playing it and then another girl came which says, oh do you want to hear me play uh-huh. it? and she goes oh no but i i can't play it though because i'm i'm rubbish and i said to her and I, looked, and I looked at her and i said look over there and i pointed i said what's that over there in the corner of the room and she went, where? I goes, look, over there in the corner that room, what's that? She goes, she didn't know where I was going with it. She goes, oh, that's, it's a bin. I goes, where does rubbish, what goes in the bin? And she goes, rubbish. I goes, oh, are, you in, are you in that bin? And she looked at me, and she got it in that moment. She got it in that moment. She, you know, she, she, I says, you know, rubbish belongs in the bin. You, You're not in that bin. So never ever call yourself rubbish or what you do. At the moment you're you just started you just started and there's no way you're going to be at that level where she's just starting so all you've got to do is go away practice and practice and then you'll get as good as her probably even better
1: Yeah. and that the thing exactly there it's I'm not good at it yet but I can get better and that's the thing Andy you what you have just described it makes my heart sing and my whole body tingle because what it is you've just and this is what i say to teachers it's what i say to parents it's what i say to all adults you know the comments we make to children can change those children's lives even if it's a throwaway line if you're in a bad if a teacher's in a bad mood and there's a throwaway line that's negative if you talk to adults now like if you if any of us went and talked to adults about what shaped your life about your belief about yourself, you will generally find that it was teachers or adults in their lives that were influential that possibly said negative things or that exactly what you did for that young lady, you challenged her and said, you are not rubbish. Yeah. And she, you never know. And, and that's what I say to people. We are touching, and I know it sounds corny, but when we work with kids and when we help kids grow and help them develop these tools and skills, we are touching the future every single day because yeah. we never know where that kid is going to go. That lovely young lady. You may be the only, as because Rita Pearson, and I don't know if you knew Rita Pearson. Rita Pearson was um, an African American teacher. She was also a principal. She's passed away now, but yes, she said yes, yes. every child needs a champion. Yep. And you, on that day for that little girl with that clarinet, you were that little girl's champion.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I've seen some, the you know, the talk shows, the talk and the TED talks and things
1: Yes, the talk, the TED talk. But it was just, you really were her champion that day. Andy and we can all do that for kids
0: yeah, because
1: okay. they do have it, it's interesting I was uh, i studied with Martin Seligman who's in positive psychology in 2003 and 2004 and at the time I was working with um, some kids who were having trouble and there was increasing depression and I said to him how do we stop this like this is getting out of hand even in 2003 and 2004 and in the UK particularly they were looking and saying you know it's going to be, in 2020, 2025, depression is going to be the biggest disease we have, and it's a mental health disorder. And Seligman said to me, and I'll never forget this, he said, you know, Carrie, what we could do if we can help children challenge their negative self-talk, if we can stop that as soon as they start saying sentences if we can stop that stop that negative belief about themselves he really believes that we can halve the rates of depression because he said it is they when they start talking about themselves and as i said to you at the beginning of this podcast we generally are the nastiest we say the nastiest things to ourselves and often when we're throughout our head every single day we have around between anywhere between 50 to 70,000 thoughts and approximately three quarters of those unfortunately are generally negative
0: yeah yeah and it's about stopping the cycle
1: and that's why yeah yeah it is it is
0: yeah and um
1: and that's why I'm really pleased and thank you so much for the opportunity to be on Men Are Nuts because Men Are Nuts is helping to stop that cycle
0: yeah and it's, listening
1: to people's stories
0: and do you do you and there's another there's another thing to this because i''m, I'm you know i've worked like I said I've worked with thousands of kids young people over the years thousands i mean i literally have i mean and when you know when you're speaking there, I'm, I'm listening to you and 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 I can see you know, I can hear you know all the you know that you're passionate and you, you know you're you're uh-huh. you know you're fascinated and you're, you're passionate about children and 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 just working with them and are we looking at and you're 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 a person in the education sector now mm-hmm. one of the things that's one of the things that which, which you mentioned just now is and i'm oh, sorry i'm speaking like because i'm just i'm just trying to get the words out is no that's okay no i mean because what i found was a bit this disturbing in a sense work as a as a person who works with kids and you know, I've done so, you know, done, done in so many different roles is that you uh-huh. hit 2020 and um, so many kids are saying things like, um, you know, saying things like the word suicide or saying things like what you just said about self harm. And I'm thinking, how does a child, and I'm talking about a child, I'm not talking, I'm not talking about me having a child and that child is 20 because that's my still my child. I'm talking about. Uh-huh. A yep. child under ten, how does that or, you know, under eight, how does a child know those words and know how to do those things, and and it's and it's and it's really struck me, struck a chord with me. How how have they managed to and why are they do, doing those things, um, and it like you said, it's about yeah. You know, some of it will be trauma, maybe from even, about, some of it will be um, like you say. Some of it, a lot of it will be trauma but where's that trauma come from and you know why why are kids why are kids for a co- whole yeah why are kids committing suicide why
1: are we suicide and that's that would be the million dollar question isn't it because in australia we had um there was a, a mum and she said look i saw my son and on the day before he committed suicide he actually when i was watching him he put his sunscreen on He put his hat on he put a shirt on he was doing all the things to take care of himself physically but mentally he didn't know what to do to take care of his own mind and he was in such a dark place that he didn't think there was any way out and that's the scary part I've had kids say to me kids as young as eight nine and ten say you know Carrie I don't want to live like this anymore
0: yeah,
1: that's, that's, and frightening. that's, that's where, frightening. And that's where... And, yeah, it is. It is very frightening. And that's when... So you need to be trained to deal with... Like, a, we've got a mental health first aid as trainers in Australia and different things. And But what we do is... We, and that's why I am so passionate, and you can hear the passion coming through, but that's why I'm so passionate about giving kids skills so that they don't get into that downward negative spiral of depression, of, it generally goes anxiety, depression, and then self-harm because, and you were talking before about trauma, whether they've had adverse childhood experiences, they've had trauma through their childhood, there's been other things that have happened, there's possibly abuse or different things. There may be a whole range of things, but I guess something that taught me, we can all be taught the skills or we can all have the skills. From 1985 till 2005, 2007, I was involved. I don't know if any if any of your listeners or you have heard of it, it's called Camp Quality. It's a camping program for children who've been impacted by cancer. Right. And so in that time, um, in from 1985, I was a volunteer with Camp Quality, and I used to go on camps with the kids who had cancer. And so I was going to camp and seeing these kids who had life-threatening illnesses, and they had every right to feel down and depressed and just revolting. But generally, they taught me so much more than I ever gave them. Yeah. And I realized that, you know, we could all have positive mental health. So these kids had an optimistic outlook. There were some of them that um, had negative self-talk, but they turned that around. So why, when these kids weren't physically thriving, what helped them to mentally thrive? What got those families and those kids through that situation? And what I realized at the time, I realized, you know, there are certain tools, activities, ideas, habits that they have that could actually stand us all or provide us all with a more positive mental health. And that's when I realised, you know, it's kids, we've got to get it to kids because kids, this is where it starts, this is where the thinking pattern starts, this is where the behaviour pattern starts. And it's like if we... If we show, so I've got kids, if I show kids that I exercise, now I don't have to say, oh, come on, you've got to exercise. No, I just get out and go for a walk with them or I go, we go ride our bikes or we do things like that. It's what as adults we model for our yeah. kids yeah. because they learn so much more by watching us rather than what we say because what we say is okay and however we can say one thing and do something completely different and that's where they will learn more by watching us in our example and what are what's Andy's habit like what's dad's habits what does he do what do how does he deal with anger how does when he gets disappointed and that's why it's really important sometimes for us to say, you know, yeah, I am disappointed. I missed out on a job and it feels, sometimes that makes me feel really sad and this is how I deal with it. So no, it's not dumping all the problems on the kids and expecting them to deal with it. What it's saying is to being in an age appropriate way but saying, yeah, you know, you saw me getting prepared. You saw me getting dressed up for the interview and things like that before we left for work hey I, I didn't get it this this time but sometimes in life that's what happens and and hey maybe maybe somebody turns to eating and so they see mum when she's really upset that she eats four liters of ice cream or that dad goes out and kicks a cat, or, and I'm not saying that to be disrespectful to anybody, but these are coping strategies that adults may have. And that's what children watch. And that's when they model those sorts of things.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, and yeah, you're perfectly right because it's, it's like saying, Sam, um, it's, it's, you're right. It's, it's, it's one thing saying, I'm going to work, and you're watching your parent going to work. And it's a different thing if you go to work with them to see what they're actually doing at the work at the workplace. Yeah. So it's 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 like I say it's um, it's modelling parent modelling. I was gonna say to you as well, um, based on the the education thing to do with. Again, back to the thing about the the kids, um, struggling or committing suicide or whatever, um, or saying they're going mm-hmm. to to do it. Do you think that the ed I'm to, I know what you're going to say but I'm going to ask you anyway the education sector you know, I, don't know, I don't know what it's like in in, in in Australia but I know that in education sector there's too much pressure being put on children particularly at the younger age groups it's almost like those yeah. kids at that age group uh, are having just as much pressure put on them as somebody as a not university as someone who's hitting 16 um, they have to pass tests they have mm-hmm. to do this you know, um, do we need to have a look at to change the you know this thing to do with oh you know, yes. I, know I know in the UK seriously yes, there's Serious there's, thing, yes. I know in the UK uh, there's this thing to do with lead tables and all this sort of stuff and then then the, then the teachers uh, have to um, give them you know, all these things do with standards and testing and blah 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 and do we really need to be doing that with children with children um, because that will have another if if they're having um, whether they're having it or not, but let's just say for the ones who who, who are having, um, I don't know, issues at home. Anxiety. Poverty, so anxiety, let me tell you, yeah.
1: it, it, is, it is causing anxiety, Andy. Let me tell you, oh, I've worked in Australian schools and we have something called NAPLAN, which is standardised testing. We have it in grade three, grade five, grade seven and grade nine. And I have children so in grade three that would be six so they turn six in grade one seven eight eight or nine years old I have children who are crying who feel sick so they've got psychosomatic symptoms of and some of them even vomit because they get so anxious about these tests so it is creating significant anxiety and if you look at other education systems around the world in Europe. So, if we were looking at European education systems, we've got people, we've got systems that don't have standardized testing, and they do very well on the world rankings for education. We really need to look at and say, what are we? Pl- what stress and pressure are we placing on our kids? because it is creating a generation of very anxious children. And when you create anxiety at that age, what happens is the brain and the brain chemistry that works, the amygdala gets switched on and it gets switched on and it's highly anxious and it responds to that. And that's what, if our children are starting to get anxious and worrying about those sorts of things, worrying about test scores. Now, I'm not saying that we don't need to know where our children are at, academically absolutely we do but good teachers know that and it's really time to start looking and saying how can we do things differently so that it doesn't produce anxiety for our children i'm not saying that children have to play all day although i'm very much an early childhood teacher so children learn through play if you talk about um, wanting them to learn how to deal with disappointment learning how to problem solve learning how to deal with anger children experience a lot of those emotions in their play. And if there's a really competent, capable adult that can help or that's sitting with them while they're playing or that can help them scaffold those situations and work through those emotions, that's one of the healthiest ways they can learn to deal with it. So play is a really, play is children's work. And it's really interesting. In COVID, in, in the time of COVID, we often see children acting things out. Um, after nine eleven, we saw children acting things out of um, planes flying into their buildings. So they were doing this, and we thought that uh, some people thought, "Oh, they're just reenacting." No, they were actually processing that. That's children process emotions, process their thinking through play. So I guess in my head, um, I would really hope that. We can move away from standardized testing that's really making our kids anxious because I'm not sure what it's like in the UK or in the States, but I know there are some preschools and kindergartens and things. They are starting to teach kids then so they can get into the right school. And then you've got these tests and if they don't do well on the tests and the parents are saying, you've got to do well on the test because if you don't do well on the test, you can't get into this school. You know what? let's look i understand education is a really valuable thing and i'm not saying it's not but we've got to look at the stress and anxiety we're putting on our children because this is not healthy and it's creating a generation of kids that are going to have significant mental health problems and we are seeing it already
0: yeah and and you know you know just i'm i'm, I'm speaking out this because i'm quite passionate about this this that subject about you know, testing and all that sort of stuff. And and it's almost like we were creating... I always said children children, are mini-adults, but what I mean by that is what you see in a child, what you'll see in a child, you you can see that in an adult, um, but they're going to grow into it. They're going to grow into an adult. So, and I don't mean that there are mini-adults as, you know, they, they're taking charge of things and this, that, but what you see in a child... Leaders or this or that—they take that comes out in 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 adult life. If you see somebody who's um a child who's because quite often the things that we we the experiences that we get as a child and our thoughts play out in later life. So you know if you wanted to if you wanted to be a play football but you didn't make it as a footballer, you may be a coach or you may be this or you may be that. Yeah. If you want to be an artist? or you good at art? you might not think but you might be a graphic designer or you might be whatever it may be when working advertising or marketing so and then quite often you know parents go oh I remember when you, I remember when you used to do that you used to be like this this and that's how that's how you still are you, you haven't changed you know we often hear that uh-huh. so this thing to do with testing and oh, <laughs> it's really it really it really we just seem to be creating a world of where we've got more children now talking about suicide and all these sort of things and 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 just mental health, we're just creating a world of literally mini adults because they should not be experiencing those they should not be experiencing those thoughts and those feelings at that age. At that age, there's there's always a develop there's always stages of development of a child or person's development. And if, they, and if they hit a part of... If they hit an advanced ad, a development at an y- early age, they're always going to come back to being a child. But then it mm. may be too late. Do you see what I mean? So I think what I'm saying there is... Yeah. There's different stages of... Ch- you know, anyway, there's different stages of development, our, our development as humans. We know that because some people, you know, the walk-in, the, the, you know, the, the, as a baby, we sit up, we don't... We don't come out. We don't come out running, do we? We come out laying down. Yeah, that's right. So that means uh, uh, so yeah. bones get fused together, and then we. So all these things happen, play out. And it's the same thing for nearly every child, um, and some would learn at different rate. And also that as well. We don't all learn at the same rate. We don't or do. It's just that's just not, not fathomable. There's not this thing where the we, this we're not robots. So. Even if you, and no, and
1: particularly, yeah, carry on. Particularly for boys, and this is what I, and I'm not saying boys are slower, boys develop, so they yes, mature you're, in you're different right. ways right. and they yes. develop yes. in different ways. And my concern is where, all it's like a sausage factory we're pushing these kids through and trying to get them to do the same thing at the same time when it's not developmentally appropriate it's actually looking and saying okay what for a little boy he may need a lot more hands-on play with concrete materials to get the ideas he may need to experience these things firsthand rather than listening to it about in a storybook he may need to do these sorts of things so and a lot of the things oh is my child behind like is my little boy behind no no, he's a little boy and it's not an excuse <laughs> yeah. about that it's actually saying they develop in different ways and, and that's just what it is and and it's really understanding and saying you know give them space and I often say to families you don't compare a rose to a gardenia you just appreciate both flowers yeah that's what we need to do for our kids it's not about a race or comparison it's actually saying you know let's just appreciate them for who they are
0: Ah. yeah because they're going to grow they're going to grow they're going to get older they're going to have their experiences Ah. and you know yes okay education and things like that but is that you said then education through play education through you know exercise education through all these other things that can be given to them from from parents to teachers, and all these things to do with academia, and 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 it, it it really is, it really is um um destroying kids. And what happens is, like you just said, because I, I mean, I had a child say a child was crying, and um and there was, you know, asking what what was wrong. Oh, I only got twenty eight out of thirty. Thinking what, <laughs> you know, on a math mm. score, and you're thinking. You, you, you cr- and the reason why I was, and I knew why I was crying, because, you know, even though I don't know the parents or anything, but I guessed, I knew straight when I, before he was coming out of his mouth, he said, "Oh, my, my parents are going to be angry because I have got 20 hours said, What? Yes. So, there's, there's, a, there's a whole spectrum of things that we need to be addressing, and it, and um, you know, like you said, some, of, you know, we spoke about those these things here. One is, you know, how the child can deal with that. Um, but then we have to, as educators or people who are leading education or whoever the system, whoever's leading in the, um, the systems, they need to be looking at what we're talking about today. Is if we have to, if we're the ones very, that have to, very much so. Yeah, if we're the ones that have to, almost like it's almost like we then they have to pick up the pieces because you put these things in place um, to make the child become like this or make the child and have anxiety with doing sats or doing this um the person and some, quite often you hear kids now saying I'm a failure I can't do that you know that's an age-old thing um, but it's become yes. but it's become more apparent yeah. now it's become it's got a lot um worse but it's not just I'm a failure it's like you said it's it's um you know I'm not going to do that, oh, I'm, going to, I'm going to. I'm a failure,
1: and life is not worth living. Yes, yes, and that's and that's that's what worries me, Andy. Is that and that's why I guess I was so grateful when you asked me to be a guest on your beautiful podcast because it's really knowing and going. How can we help kids challenge that? Because it's and adults it's not just kids that are thinking this it's also adults and it's kids who grow into adults or teenagers that think you know there is it's no hope i'm just useless nobody would miss me actually people do miss. would miss you people do care about you they do love you you are important and you've got a contribution to make but the problem is when they just see themselves as tests the sat scores or test scores or if i didn't do well in football or swimming that's the problem and and again when you see it's really fascinating to me i've watched a lot of swimmers in australia we've got a lot of very good swimmers but a lot of our swimmers our olympic swimmers who've done very well but they've trained throughout their childhood and into their most probably late teens early 20s when they gave up the pool they actually have significant a lot of them have had significant mental health issues because they were never taught how to deal with feelings they were never taught and and everything was wrapped up in their whole world of I'm this great swimmer well actually yes you were and you still are a great swimmer that legacy will be there but you can be other things as well outside the pool and it's then knowing that I'm not just my grades, I'm actually, I'm a really kind, caring person and that is just as good and our world needs kind, caring, empathic people who will help others just as much as they need scientists.
0: Yeah, yeah and also as well when you're, when you're with a lot of the children and and adults um, is when they're doing different, they're doing the different subjects quite often that, that negativity feeds into all the other subjects and even if they might be really good mm. at something, because you've got that negative, because you're thinking negatively and you're, you're anxious, what happens is you can have end up struggling in the subject that you're really good at, or, or, you know, the one that you're most brightest at. You could end up struggling that, and then you mm. then what happens is you're struggling everything. And what it's about is about giving children the tools. A lot of it is children giving the tools. Children's tools to be confident in themselves, like you say, confidence of knowing their in em- emotion, confidence building, um, and and positive affirmations, that should be a constant thing with children. You know, yes, they're gonna get this money. you know, I've taken children out to um sport you know, sport events and and you know, even the other month the girls, are, oh, you know, you know, they, we lost, we lost. And, you know, did you enjoy the game? No, we lost. Well, did you enjoy the game? Um you didn't enjoy yeah. losing because no one enjoys losing. But you enjoyed playing, didn't you? Because you carried on playing. You didn't stop halfway through the game and say, I'm not playing anymore. That's right. And you didn't stop halfway through the game. You carried on right to the end. So that suggests there's something in you that's, one, you want to be a winner mm. because you're angry about, you're upset about losing. So that means you want to be a winner. So what do you do? What what, could, what Think about what you could, how you could do and what you could do next time to 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 change that losing and um you know when i say these things because I'm, I'm i'm not a, i'm not one of those teachers that or a person that just teaches in that i teach them life skills and it's through the things that i've done being a mentor and being a classroom teacher and being a teacher, all these other things doing in sports and all sorts of stuff is i can see in i can see that in kids in children that if they, if they are struggling or have anxiety or, or worries, it, it it will have a knock on it and an impact on not on not on just not on the, at that moment, but on you know the next lesson or you know take it into the next day and then parents and all those sort of things. So um, you know even things like behaviour issues and all that sort of stuff. So it's it's vitally important that we, we definitely. See, look at children, look at them, watch them, because they're they're honest. I'll tell you what, the children are more honest than adults in a lot of ways, because Yes. They they are, they they are honest. So if you watch them, and they will tell you, oh yeah, you're here, but they can't, sometimes they might not express, they might say, oh yeah, you might change your hair, and they go, your hair looks like a potato, or whatever it is, and you, you know that they're trying to say something but they're not sure what words. So they come out with a, a certain type of word But because they're not old enough to express mm. it. And that's what I was thinking about development age. Um, they're not... And also what you're on about there is boys. Girls, by the age of seven, have to... I think it's something like three or four times more words. I think they've got like how many times more words yes. words in their vocabulary than a boy. Their
1: vocabulary is larger. And, and that's... When you said that, I was going to talk about that before really quickly, and I know we're wrapping up, yeah. but um. We don't have an emotional vocabulary in Western society particularly. And a lot of the time, um, we don't actually have a lot of words for our emotions. Have you ever seen the movie Inside Out? I know it's a Disney movie, but there was anger, disgust, joy, sadness, and... What was the fifth one? I do apologise. Jealousy. It was a jealousy. But... You know, in our Western society, we don't have a lot of words to express how we're feeling. And when you said that, often little girls will have more of an emotional vocabulary than little boys will. And what tends to sometimes happen then is the boys display their emotions or show their emotions yep. through their behavior yep. which gets them into trouble yeah. <laughs> yeah. and because they don't know how to deal pressing, with it yeah, yeah. and that's where whereas and sometimes little girls don't know how to deal with it as well but they might be able to say i'm feeling sad or whatever it is so it's really understanding that but that's a whole other conversation yeah, yeah.
0: We, i mean we could i mean we could we could um talk and you know talk about so many different things and you know I'd, I'd like to you know I'd like to really like to thank you for coming on and, and talking about these these things and what where can you be I mean we, uh, we'll definitely we'll definitely I'll definitely get you back on again to talk about you know your life and, yep. and your life and how you, what makes you become what what's made you become this person that wants to help and things like that so we'll definitely get you back on again mm-hmm. where can where can you be found
1: well thank you um, my website which is just Carrie Sutton K-A-R-I-S-U-T-T-O-N carry Sutton.com
0: Right thank you and um, what's life like for you I'm also okay. on
1: Facebook but that's alright. What's
0: life? What's life like for you at the moment? um, Life
1: for me at the moment is going, it it, it is, uh, I'm starting to study or I'm starting a PhD, so I'm looking at that. I'm also, um, I'm actually just starting an email program for some of the families I've been working with, so giving them the tips and tools. So it's busy, but I love working with families, I love working with educators, and I love getting the message out there that we have to start with our children, because we we are the ones that can make a change for the future generation and we do that by teaching them exactly as you do andy you teach them how to keep physically fit we can also teach them how to be mentally fit so they have positive mental health and well-being for the rest of their lives yeah
0: definitely and thank you for coming on and um talking and and you know we've you know we've had a long chat there and it would be nice like i say again nice getting back on again and and i hope you and your family are well and you know people in australia well
1: thank you so much and i hope that you and your audience stay safe in this time of covid and i really just hope that uh, 2020 brings the rest of 2020 and for the rest of the years that follow but the rest of 2020 brings us all blessings and joy
0: yeah thank you and that was men are nuts speak to you soon